hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Until You Win podcast. I'm Charles Wood. I'm your host. And over the next uh, weeks and months, we're going to get to know each other a little bit better. We're going to have some fun, and I hope you listen to episode zero because this is the official episode one. And I am totally looking forward to sharing some more about my life, my adventures, and where exactly um, Charles came from. So today we're actually going to be talking about uh, my life growing up, a little bit about that, and a little bit about my professional career. And then next week we're going to dive into exactly what it's like um, to work full-time and be a solopreneur and all the different things that I've tried over the years until I finally found something during the past, I guess it's been about not even eight months, nine months that has totally changed my life and my, my perspective on how we do business. So as you already know, my name is Charles and I was actually born from a, um, into an air force family. My dad was the fourth graduating class from the air force Academy. He served 24, 25 years, something like that. Still waiting for his DD 214. So I can actually, get all the information, but I was born in Guam at the Naval Hospital my, while my dad was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base. On a side note, I didn't get to go back till I was 21 years old for the first time, and oh my gosh, it's beautiful there. I do look forward to when I can actually go and spend maybe five, six days um, and actually enjoy it out there. But my dad was transferred to McClellan Air Force Base, and unlike everybody else in the military, my dad figured out that if he transferred from one unit to the next unit, we didn't have to go anyplace. And so we ended up staying at McClellan and my brother and sister and I, we did not get the excitement of going from, from duty station to duty station to duty station. We, we stayed in Northern California in Sacramento and that's where we spent all of our years growing up. But I remember as a kid, I would go out to air shows with my dad, and I loved going to his plane. He, he was a navigator in the C-130 and the C-135, but I, I loved being in those airplanes. The smell, the smell of the jet fuel on the runway, um, just all that to me was like, that epitomized what my dad did. And for me, I knew that I was going to be in the military. I knew that I was going to go in the Air Force. I knew I was going to follow my dad. And the reality is we come from a very, very long line of military family members. Uh, His dad served with the Department of Defense his entire life. Um, His brother was in the Marines. Um, He has an uncle that was in the Navy during World War II. Uh, My great uncle Don loved him to death. He was the funniest man I ever met. He had a, a business card when he retired that said, Donald Powell, and in each of the four corners, it said no job, no phone, no address, no stress. It was the most, it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So anyway, on my mom's side, her dad was in the um, Navy also during World War II. He was actually a recruiter in New York and Brooklyn. So uh, we had a lot of family um military in our blood. So that's, that's what I knew I wanted to do. And, and before I went to MEPS, which is the military 
um, processing unit for enlistees. My dad and I talked about all the different jobs that were out there. And he gave me a list. He said, first, you want to go find a flying job. And he listed out all the flying jobs. And then he came up with a list of jobs that potentially could turn into flying jobs. And then he made a list of the next set of jobs for me. And so I kind of had a really good idea of what I was looking for. I knew that it was either a flying job or it was something in the hospital. Those were really the two keys. Couldn't find anything in the flying um, jobs, but I did find that I could be a medical service specialist or a medic. And that eventually, if I wanted, I could actually go become a A what they used to call 902XO or a aeromedical evacuations um, technician. So that was one of the highest things on my list. I snagged that right away. I was never really good at school. I was really a C student all the way through school, not really knowing what exactly I wanted to do. But once I got to school and I um, tech school and I really began to thrive, I had one of the highest GPAs in the class. I loved everything I did. I was originally supposed to go to Dias Air Force Base. My orders got lost for some reason, and I got stuck at Shepard for quite a few months. Ended up going on a special detail to cut wood for the officers that were stationed at Shepard. And so that was up in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. A little sidebar, my nephew's getting ready to be Transferred there, so I'm looking forward to going back to Fort Sill and, and taking a look at that and seeing how cool that is. But I ended up smashing my hand in a hydraulic log splitter. Luckily, it didn't really do much. I, I have some some uh, sensitivity issues with my, my pinky, but that happened. So got stationed at Dover Air Force Base. Finally got orders, and that became um, a great place. We actually had family friends that were stationed there. They, be, they had become lifelong friends of mine. Uh, Their kids were about the ages of my brother and sister, and I got to see them grow up. I got to spend a lot of time with them, made lots of friends, spent 12 months on a med surge board, went to um, a clinic for barely two months, hated it. Oh, my gosh, I hated, you know, you hear everybody when you're on active duty in as, as a medic, they all wanted to get into a clinic Monday through Friday, weekends and holidays off. But oh my gosh, I got so tired of taking vital signs and signing them in for the doctors and the PAs and hearing the same stuff over and over. It was like I was not challenged medically. And so I pushed and pushed and pushed and I finally was allowed to go work in the emergency room. And so I got trained at the very beginning. That was a first step in my um, emergency ER ICU nurse um, training, which I loved. I thrived in the emergency room. Any class that they wanted, that they offered, I took it. Back in the day when advanced cardiac life support was really optional for people who were not physicians and everybody who took it failed their first time around. Didn't matter how well you did on the test when it came to your mega code, you were thrown in a room by yourself with other instructors and they were throwing stuff at you and you failed. But I loved it. I did fail my first time. I passed my second time. And it was really a wonderful time. And then I was up for re-enlistment, and I was looking for a flying position. There were none available for E4 positions. And I did find a 
position at Travis Air Force Base in the reserve unit. And so I became an A902 at the time, um, XO again, but quickly move, moved up to a seven level, which is a journeyman level. Um, so, you know, I, I love that. Um, I was in the 141s. I flew all the time. Um, it was, my family knew that if, if the base called, now you got to remember that the, we're talking 89 um, I went in and I got out in 94. So five years I spent there and we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have pagers at the time. It was, uh, I had a phone at the house. There was a phone at my parents' house and they had my dad who had a cell phone. They had his number. So if they ever needed me, they would, they had all the numbers they would call and I would drop everything and go do that. And I lived off the reserves for many years, three, four years almost. But during that time, was Desert Storm. So 1990 was actually Desert Shield. And in this, in January of 1991, we got recalled to active duty. We spent a month in preparations getting ready to be deployed. My unit got split into three units. A third of us went to uh, down into Saudi. A third went to Germany and a third went to England. Well, I ended up getting to go to England. Um, and during that time, we were told 10,000 casualties, first 24 hours. And to be honest, all we did is, is we received one plane with five patients. So a big letdown for a lot of us. But I love flying. Um, and, and the reality is it came to a point where I had just reenlisted for my second term or my third term, technically. And I got lucky. My dad swore me in all three times. Um, how many people get to say that their dad, who's a retired lieutenant colonel, swore them in for all of their enlistments. But I did get that. Um, and I just couldn't play the politics anymore, to be honest with you. It just got really bad. The people that they promoted in my unit, I just didn't agree with. I had my issues of, you know, being stuck at E5 for uh, four and a half years. And it just was, I finally decided to put, I went uh, onto the inactive role. And literally months later, uh, there was a force reduction in our our squadron was uh, cut by a third. And then I heard later that they actually lost another quarter of those people after that. But while I was in the reserves, um, so this would have been 91, right after we came back from desert storm, a group of us all qualified to go challenge the nursing board. So we actually went and did that. There were six of us and we all got together and went and took the test. And at the time we had to go to Oakland and it was a two part so it was a two-part exam, and after the first part, to be honest with you, every single one of us thought, oh, my gosh, we just failed this exam. It was so hard. And so we all went to a pub, and we drank, and we had some lunch. We went back. I took the second half of the test, expecting that I was going to get my notice that says that you failed. Well, ironically, I did get my notice, and I passed, and all five of my friends that actually went with me all passed together. So right after that, I started working as a charge nurse at a skilled nursing home, knowing that that wasn't going to be my long-term goal. And I ended up getting hired for the California Department of Corrections. And in 92, I joined as a medical technical assistant. So I was a Licensed nurse, and I was a correctional officer. So it was a dual role. 
and they just hammered me. I ended up staying there for a little over two years, and then I was in and out of prison since uh, that time. So tell people I have poor recidivism, but the fact was I really loved prison work. That was something that really excited me. Uh, There's nothing like prison work. There's nothing like the thrill of what's going to happen today. You never know. And uh, so lots of of fun with that. So I I did in the military, I was a registered, a nationally registered EMT intermediate level. I was certified to fly with the uh, Dover Police Department for emergencies. I never got to do it, but I know some people who did. They had a blast doing it, but it was great training. I ended up uh, taking the community critical care training for ICU and passed that. And so became an ER ICU nurse. Worked in and out of a lot of different hospitals in the Sacramento area. Um, And I ended up, after I left prison the first time, I actually went and worked for a insurance company. And it used to be called Foundation Health. And we helped them get uh, certified for the National Committee for Quality Assurance, which was a big undertaking, spent a lot of time on the road. And right after we got them qualified, they let us all go. But I ended up getting on board with another um, insurance company. And for the next four or five years, I worked for them. I did a lot. I still did home health nursing, did ER um, nursing on the weekends. So I was, I always had two jobs at the minimum, sometimes three, sometimes four, but I always stayed busy, always kept my hand in the, in the fire. And then I got hired back to a company at the time that was called, uh, Vencore. Then they moved to Kindred. Now they're called Vibra. Really enjoyed working for them. I worked ICU for eight years with them. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed that 12, uh, eight years of night shift while my oldest daughter was, uh, in the prime of going to school. And so working nights, I was able to be there for everything I needed to. I was able to work my schedule so that I could be there for games, softball games, uh, volleyball, basketball, everything she did all the way through high school. And then while she was in high school, I actually um, met a good friend of mine who was like, you got to come back to prison. Like you need to come back because we need to get you promoted and and, and just come back as a nurse. So I went back as a, as a med nurse, ended up working a specialty offsite where I helped schedule inmates to get their appointments that were scheduled for them. And then I promoted to what was called a standards compliance coordinator that ended up working as a correctional health service administrator too. A nice big title, but basically I looked over the admin over the mental health up in Sacramento at a person called CSP SAC which is where I spent a good portion of my about uh, seven years. And then I took a promotion and we moved to Bakersfield, California. And there I ended up working as uh, a correctional health service administrator, CHASA, for a medical at one of the most violent prisons in the state of California. So I ended up becoming the statewide expert for mass casualty incidents and I will drop a YouTube link if you want to go watch the, the ceremony where they talk about that. It starts at the 27-minute mark, and I'll put those in the notes. But the reality was all during that time, I knew that down deep inside there was an entrepreneurial venture. And I knew that I wanted to do something for myself. And I had done some of that, and I have left some of it out of these discussions because we're going to jump into that next week. But 
I knew that I wanted to do home business. and I've done everything from brick and mortar business to network marketing, to multi-level marketing, to creating our, my own products, uh, getting in some trouble with uh, the Franchise Tax Board in California for not filing taxes correctly, but we're going to talk about that later. So really over the next uh, 10, 12, 13, 12 weeks uh, about, I'm going to dive into all the different companies that I was part of. I'm going to tell you the uh, kind of an overview about it. I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, what I took away from it, and, and, and where it makes me today. And for most of these, I'm going to end up having links to a YouTube so you can kind of look. I'm not trying to, to drive you to any one of them. Many of the companies are shut down, so you can't even do anything with them anymore. But, you know, really the reality is I want to help you, the solopreneur, find exactly what it is that you want to do. What is it that you want to do? How can you be successful? Is working with me being successful? Potentially. Maybe it's not. Maybe one of these things I talk about, you go, oh, I've heard of that and I want to go do that. And I want to encourage you to do that. So I want you to, if you would be kind, I would like you to share this with people you know who are interested in doing something from home in the part time of their work, in, in outside of their regular nine to five. And I want you to really think about, you know, Jim Rohn said you work from nine to five to pay your bills and you work after five o'clock to make your fortune. And that's what we're going to talk about. And so I look forward to this venture that we're going to go on together and we're going to share after I get through my history, literally that's going to be season one. And once my, once my history's done, then we're going to move into getting into interviews and talking about different business concepts and ideas and what you need to do and how you need to do it and how, how can you stay motivated. But I want to thank you for joining us on the first official episode of Until You Win, the podcast with Charles Wood. And we look forward to seeing you next week for the next episode. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.